0: But when conquered, David set up an administration. He set up an organized rule and reign over the lands that he had conquered. And that is a necessity for us as well. This is a good time to point out a principle in life. That conquest always comes after conflict. That conflict always precedes conquest. One way that we've said it before is that nothing in life that is worthwhile comes easily. Jesus said it, or the Bible in Acts 14.22 says it this way. We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Through much tribulation, we must enter into the kingdom of God. And that introduces the spiritual element of the story. I try to be careful about spiritualizing. I think that there is a place for spiritualizing, but I think especially the Old Testament It's overly spiritualized. So that people, honestly, people think that the only reason Gideon's army, you know, was divided, separated, based on who stuck their head in the water and drank and who cupped their hands and drank the water from their hands. Christians honestly think that the only point of that is to say that they better be vigilant. And not to say that God just said these are the ones that are going to fight for me. It's almost like we've never paused to consider that God was just winnowing the army down and this was the way that he did it. And he doesn't actually tell us why he did it. He just did it because he's God and he's the one to say who's going to fight for me and who's not. And it's not that there was a particular virtue in the guys who cut their hands. Like they were the really godly ones in the army. And that's why God chose them to be his three hundred. But see what I mean? We get caught up in this. I've said it, I've complained about it a number of times, that the story of David and Goliath. We almost can't think of that at all. All we can think is that the little guy wins. Well, sometimes the little guy wins. Most of the time, the little guy doesn't win, in case you've not noticed. All right? I know this, that even to this day, I'm not getting in the boxing ring with Mike Tyson. I'm just not. He's old. So am I. We're both old. I'm not going to let him pound my face. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do that. In his prime, and my prime, I was not going to get in the boxing ring with Mike Tyson. I was not. If you were all looking forward to doing that, you'd go for it. All right? Tell yourself that David beats Goliath. right? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Yeah. But... Quite often, the bigger they are, the more you get crushed, (laughs) too. And there's not a reason to to make the story of David and Goliath about me. That's the problem with spiritualizing, is because we treat them, after it's been repeated, the same message over and over and over again, we start to think that that's really what the story is about, when no, it is not. No, it is not. The story is that God anointed, called for David to be anointed king, and David started acting like one. And David went out to fight the Lord's battles, and he was not afraid. And God used a young boy who was not afraid to defeat a giant who was a great oppressor. It shows us what God does. What God does. That's what we should think about. So I say all that to say that I'm hesitant to spiritualize. <clears throat> but let me repeat that this was bloody business for David, securing a place for Israel in the land that God had given them. And I, I just I want to kind of draw a road map for how we're going to get from what we see in 2 Samuel 8. And what I'm going to point you to here, I want you to know, I'm not going to put you, like, blindfold you and put you in the trunk of my car and drive you, you know, in circles for five hours so you won't know how we got to where we are. All right, I want you to know how we got here because I want you to be able to come back to it some other time when I'm not standing up here telling you. This land that God had given to the people of Israel, it was a land flowing with milk and honey, but the enemies were fierce, as I said. And if you think about it, I think that we can see some parallels between what David is doing here and what we see in our own Christian experience. Because I don't think that we're stretching the case to say that God also wants to bring you into the promised land, into a land flowing with milk and honey, and that he wants to secure that place for you. I don't think that's a stretch, spiritually speaking. Now, I want to, again, preface what I'm saying here by saying this. That my spiritualizing is not authoritative, it is not binding on your conscience. I'm going to present this to you for your consideration in hopes that you'll be encouraged and helped and strengthened. And we'll understand what this Christian calling really is about. It's helpful to remember that what David is doing here is bigger than just conquering Israel. It's bigger than that. I mean, that is what he's trying to do. That is what God gave him as a task to do. But it's bigger than that. David plays a vital role in the history of our redemption. And what David is doing here is part of the history of our redemption. He is establishing the foundations for the kingdom of God. Because, look... God chose Israel as the place where he would begin to establish his kingdom. He did. Period. In human history, Israel is the breeding ground for it. And through the great, 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 great grandson of David, Jesus Christ, David's work continues. Do this then. We may not understand all of that and how all that fits and how it can work, but it is reality. You consider and decide for yourself, all right, what I'm about to tell you here. We definitely, certainly see a similarity between what David did to conquer Israel and what Christ has done and is doing in order to conquer and subdue us in our own heart. So I want you to consider as the first point in our spiritual application, Christ's war for the soul of man. Because in order for Christ to redeem us, blood had to be shed. Our Lord Jesus had to enter into battle in order to save our souls. It was necessary, in fact, that he die a bloody death on the cross for our sins so that we could be saved, so that we could be redeemed. So, yes, David shed the blood of heathen nations. And no doubt there are Israelites who also shed their blood. The last full measure of the potion, right? Jesus Christ did not require anyone else's blood to be shed, but instead poured out the most precious, holy blood onto the earth. And he did so in order to secure us. And our souls. This was the price that had to be paid. So that we could be conquered. The conquest of our souls came after much conflict. It was necessary. That Jesus. Become obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. But that is not all. That's important for you to understand. That Jesus didn't just enter the fray he dove to the bottom. He went to death so that he could raise us up, lift us up, save our souls. Jesus did. The cross of Christ definitely <clears throat> demonstrates to us that the only way for mankind to be redeemed is for blood to be shed. The only way for Christ, for God to redeem us to save our souls is for a bloody death to take place. But Jesus said something that fits with what we see in 2 Samuel 8. Something else that, I, again, you got to hang with me here, alright? Stay with me. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, Jesus said this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it." by four. It's...